Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Welcome all to In a Mississippi Minute. Today's guest was very influential in my own success. Not only as a friend, oh yes, he became a good one of mine, but also as a mentor of someone I could look up to that had already had huge success in Music City as he and his band recorded 18 hit singles, including six, count them, I said it, six number ones. He also charted top five singles on his own solo projects, wrote hits for other greats, like our very own Mississippi's Faith Hill. And if you uh, want to hear the phone book song, well, he'll make it a smash too. Please welcome hit singer, songwriter, producer, the front man of the band Restless Heart, and my man, Larry Stewart. Hey, hey, Larry. Hey, man, that was dang. See that? I owe you lunch after that. I know. Well, I'm sort of... uh, yeah, that may be as. Maybe we should stop now. I don't know. <laughs> you can't doing? get much better than that, can it? If, it's great, if, man. It's great talking to you. Well, if people only knew how much time we spent together, and uh, we spent a lot of time, uh, and I want to go into that because this show's all about my buddies uh, and, uh, and the influence they had on me, but also on the impact they had, and in your case, music. Uh, uh, to the world, you've had such great success, but uh, obviously your family, uh, Janet and Brock and our girl Brittany, who took care of our kids growing up. I mean, it was it was family, you know. So to us as well. So I can't wait to catch up because I know I know I've moved down to Mississippi and I've I've left you guys a little hanging there, but um, we're gonna catch yeah, up right did. now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I love telling all y'all that we were moving back, and it's been good for us. So it's been really good for us. It's been a blessing. Oh, I bet it has. All right, Larry, let's dig into it. Okay. Uh, I do want to know what's going on now, but I want to dig back because I love you telling me the story of how there was no way, absolutely no way, you were going to do music. You were going to be a lead singer of a band. Uh, I love hearing this story, and I want you to tell our listeners, and I don't want you to cut any corners, but I want you to talk about that, but I also want you to talk about your baseball, because you went to Belmont to play baseball. Uh, you're a great athlete. I got to experience that firsthand uh, in all sports, just multiple, uh, just, just you had it all, and so did your kids. And I, I wanted to talk to you about, you went to Belmont, you also was majoring in the business side of it, you wanted to be in the business side. At this point, I'm going to let you take it. 
Well, yeah, I uh, grew up being, you know, a sports fanatic, loving baseball. I played baseball my whole life, all the way, you know, almost through college. Um, I grew up in western Kentucky, um, and I was a piano-playing linebacker (laughs) and running back and punt returner. Right. Well, where I grew up, you know, playing gospel piano for your dad's quartet was not one like one of the coolest guys on campus, right? Right. So I I I didn't grow up in an area where it was really, really cool. I felt really had this confidence of being a musician and an athlete. So I kinda suppressed I kinda hit it from everybody, you know, peer pressure and you know, because I you know, every now and then I get kinda of made fun of. You know, but anyway, I outgrew that and went and lifted weights and grew some muscles and told them if they make fun of me, I'll yeah. kill them. That's my main anyway, knock them out. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, um, I I didn't really have a plan to do this, yet I dreamed about it when I was a young kid, standing on my bed when I was very young with a baseball bat, but it was a microphone stand singing to the record player to tens of thousands of people. You know, Man, you were confused. But, I love this. This is awesome. Yeah, totally about God. Still am, <laughs> but um, anyway, somehow the good Lord above realized that I was too stupid to, to figure this out myself. So I, um, I'm playing college baseball at a junior college in Kentucky, and my dad was friends with a bunch of uh, with some people here in Nashville. Uh, Jerry Crutchfield producing Thomas Scales, who was in, in uh, music and with Elvis for years. But anyway, he uh, he passed away when I was a senior in high school. But he was sick for a while, and he asked his buddies, "Hey, well, you know, you know, take care of my number one son. You know, I really want him to come to Nashville and get in the music business and that and the other because um, you know I, I've been playing the piano with him and six and singing since I was six years old." Wow. And just had that dream for me, right. and I apparently didn't. So um, he's his friends called uh, Coach Whitten at Belmont University, uh, the head baseball coach, and said, uh, um, "We're so we're so and so, and um, we have this young man that's coming to Volunteer State uh, from Hendersonville to play." Uh, and he's really, you know, as a baseball player, we were wondering if you guys would be interested in going to watch him. Well, for some reason, they said, sure, we'd love to. Um, so they came to watch me play, and I hit two home runs that day. <laughs> Never hit two home runs in my life in one game. Wow. And game. so after the game, after the game, uh, and I didn't even know they were there. After the game, they came up to me and said, hey, we're Coach So-and-so and Coach So-and-so at Belmont University. We'd like to talk to you about uh, possibly coming to our school to play baseball so long story short um that panned out so that's how i got to nashville most people go to nashville to be in the music business i got to nashville by chance and by by a higher power directing me that direction and then through baseball um, right through baseball through baseball baseball got me to where i am today in an odd way so um, then I went to Belmont, graduated. I was working at the Country Music Hall of Fame. I was working at BMI, whatever I could do. And I graduated from college and uh, still working at the Country Music Hall of Fame, but started singing uh, some demos from some people when uh, I was working at MCA Music as well. 
and found that they found out that I could sing. So they thrown me in the studio and they kept throwing me in the studio. So, so for let me interrupt you because for our listeners, so they'll understand this. When when artists who are making records at the time hears uh, when they're listening to songs. Uh, that are being pitched to them by producers, by publishers, songwriters, etc. You go and you hire these great demo singers, and sometimes some of them get really hot. Like they're the ones that their voice is really, it's just working with other artists. You can almost like figure it out, you know, and if you have a great song, and, a, and you obviously have to have somebody that can sing it and sell it. And so Larry started, and with my guest today is Larry Stewart, hit singer-songwriter, Restless Heart, et cetera, et cetera, my brother, and he's uh, explaining uh, sort of the process. So he's gone from baseball. Baseball days are over, and uh, now he's doing demo singing, and now all these producers and artists are hearing his voice and starting to record songs uh, from that, that he's selling, really. Okay, I'm going to let it go there. Just, just you know, yeah. telling everybody. Uh, oh, and, and I left an important part out. The reason I got out of baseball was I got mono and hepatitis at the same time. It took me down for about three months in my junior year. And so I decided, you know what? I've been playing baseball since I was six years old. I think I'll do something else. Okay. Okay, I'll sing. Why not? So anyway, um, I met these guys, um, you know, at Belmont, uh, as a matter of fact. And, and for the first time in my life, Steve, I felt like a bird let out of a cage. For the first time in my life, it was cool to sing. It was cool to write a song. It was cool to sit down at the piano and, and play, you know, with your buddies. And, and so I was doing that a little bit and started singing jingles as well. Uh, flew up to Chicago like once every two weeks, started saying, Hey, good to my boom, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and racing my wife to the mailbox with those checks that you all know about. Yeah. And, um, and, one thing led to another, and these guys asked me to join this band, guy from Oklahoma. And uh, I said, no. I said, you know, I'm getting married next year, and I can really see after I've graduated from college, I can see my future father-in-law being so proud of his future son-in-law graduating from college and going playing country bars across America. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyway... Which never happened, by the way, for my (laughs) listeners. This is like, this isn't the part that's not fair. So anyway, uh, but keep going. I'll tell you what, Larry, let's take a a break because I want to continue because this is such a great story. We're talking to Larry Stewart. You are in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. We'll be right back. Funny how you feel at all at 20 While they're holding snakes and preaching to my soul Hey, folks. If you're tired of being tired because your pillow isn't doing his job at night, give my buddy Chad and his team at OmniPillow a go. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy, and listen to this. They will donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal is to give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. You'll thank me, I promise. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar. That's OmniPillow.com, promo code Steve Azar, and you'll receive 20% off with free shipping. If you ask me, there's no better pillow on the planet. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. The road I have traveled on is 
Steve Azar. We are with my brother and like like one of my closest friends ever. Uh, just huge influence of mine. Uh, spent too much time together. I, I I entertained him. He was a little quieter than me, and he just let me talk. I'm with Larry Stewart. <laughs> and that's the truth, isn't it? Yes, sir, it is. <laughs> it's only meant to be that I'm the one with a talk radio show. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What you happened? have a gift. Yeah, 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 that, that gab thing. Okay, so, Larry, you're talking about all of a sudden it's cool. You're you're being asked by uh, to join this band. I think Tim Dubois had a lot to do with that. Tim, for everybody that doesn't know, signed Alan Jackson, Brooks and Dunn, Diamond Rio, the Lit Pam Tillis. The list goes on and on and on. But Larry's talking about his time and, and how there was no way he was going to do this so so you you obviously have fallen in love with janet who you're still in love with so that's that's been your greatest feat besides your two beautiful children so you're you you're just saying no right no way yeah i said no you know because of um i just didn't think well first of all Steve, i'd really never been a front man of a band you know, I, I a little bit around town, you know, playing here and there and singing some song with some other people, you know, the Bluebird and stuff. But as right. far as like, okay, I'm going to be the lead singer of a band, we're going to hit the road. So uh, I said no to the guys. And this was, so um, 1983, Thanksgiving, Tim calls me. I'm in the back at the Country Music Hall of Fame. I'm the stock clerk as well, see, you know, putting out all the uh, shot glasses and keychains and the hands of all the big stars. So um, he said, uh, go home, you know, talk to your mom and, you know, your fiancé and see what you, you know, and I'll call you on Tuesday when I get back after Thanksgiving. So, okay, I talked to him, and of course, long story short, I, you know, they just said, hey, you know, do what you need to do. Do what you feel like doing. I said, well, I mean, I didn't go to school and get an education, you know, I was... I've got a lot of people that I know in music world, and I really like to, you know, just continue to do jingles and work in the studio and maybe even get a job at a record label or publishing company. Right. So, so um, I said, I still know. I didn't feel, didn't, not feeling right. So, fast forward to Tuesday at noon, Mr. Dubois calls me, and we chit-chat about what we ate for Thanksgiving for a little bit. And he said, what are you going to do, Larry? You want to do this band thing? And I shook my head no, and my mouth said yes. <laughs> and I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I started sweating. I said, "What have I just done?" I, I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not kidding. It, it happened just like that. And I mean, I just said yes. Yeah. It just said yes, and I could have sworn I put my my tongue in the roof of my mouth for the no. You know. So but you go back it, and it you tell Janet, no. right? You tell Janet huh? that how'd it go? She's thinking you said no, right? Well, you're right. So I said, what have I done? Yeah. So, um, well, I did it. And here we um, take off into 1984. First weekend of April, we record our first album. The second weekend of April, I get married to go on a honeymoon. I come back. We finish the album. We do showcases for every label in town during the summer. Come September, Joe Galani and RCA you know, one our one out, and when we signed contract, we had our first single, Let the Heartache Ride Out, by January. So this all happened. See, 
it took me like 30 years, and this is where I, I love you, but I just really, really ticked off a little bit at you right now. So you don't even want to do it. So all the people that are fighting and just like clawing, sometimes it's just a matter of talent. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it, well, it's all right. because Well, and that was a great time. That was an amazing time. That was the beginning of the launch of country music. Yeah, um, you were in a great time. You, know, you were really in a we great time. We were in a great time. And, and, you know, all of a sudden, Alabama broke the doors down for bands. So, therefore, um, labels are looking for bands. You know how Nashville is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. boy, was our timing perfect. And, uh, you know, not to mention, I don't mind saying just because, I mean, I can say this. I'm the lead singer, but, you know, it's a pretty good band. Well, uh, Thirty-five years is, later, we're still together, original five guys, and I and I enjoy standing on that stage every night. Well, and so but, band, uh, Gary, yeah. listen, Mr. Schulis, so everybody will know this. A lot of bands, people here on the radio, are not playing on their own records a lot of times, and they'll go play live, and obviously the singers sing in and all that. And I don't want to mention names, but it goes on and on and on a lot of times. But you guys played on your records. We played and sang. All, yeah. all five of us sang. Yeah, and all, we all, yeah. So. It, uh, you know, very proud of the music we've made. To think that in a six to nine months time, we get a record deal, we have the album done, they pick a single. In the middle of January, I'm here at the Heartache Ride in my Jeep as I'm going down I-40 to town, and I didn't even realize, I thought it was a cassette tape yeah. that I'd been listening to because we were working in the studio, and it was the radio, and I pulled over on the side of I-40 out in Bellevue and to hear it because I was stunned that I heard my voice coming through the actual radio. And that was probably Jerry House, wasn't it? Probably playing it in the morning? It, it, it was. It was Jerry House. Testing it. Testing it, ready yeah. to beat it down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he couldn't beat that down. He couldn't beat that one down. What he would do, Jerry House's famous DJ, morning guy, really old school, brilliant. And um, he was funny. He kept us laughing in the morning back in the day, you know, and uh, and he would test songs out. So he'd get listeners to call in, you know, and man, it was a tense moment. So talk about your first concert, because we're not talking country bars. We're not talking about... Uh, you know, I can't even explain this. I love the, the the story you tell about you know the experience. Almost like before you get the first, before you get uh, the ball uh, in a football game. You know the nerves, the feeling, and what happened. And your first night, your first concert is with who? Well, we're on about our third single on the first eight-sided album, and. Um uh, Joe Galani goes down to Fort Payne, Alabama to talk to Randy Owen about this new band he signed, and Randy wasn't real happy about them signing the new band. But anyway, um, they they beat him up enough to where they said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll put him on a show in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Murphy Center, you know, and, um, and give him a shot. And so my very first show in front of an audience, my very first one was a sold-out arena show really? opening go. for Alabama. And uh, I was scared to death. I mean, I threw up all over Joe Galani, head of our label shoes, holding <laughs> on. I just, yeah, it, it was not a pretty day at all. Um, and we did a 30-minute set. You already got a couple. You're I, already on your third hit, right? So, I mean, this is quick. Yeah, it's quick because back then, singles only lasted about eight weeks. 
I mean, what the heck? So, uh, so we're on our third. We're already going back in the studio to, re- to record the Wheels album. Wow. When we hit the, ro- when we hit the road with Alabama. And, and uh, oh, yeah, they, uh, they liked us. And we toured with them. We opened for them for about the next year, year and a half. I mean, we were like family. They, they took us in, you know, they took us in with open arms, made us family members, and boy, did they ever support us. So, wow. um, yeah, that's how my my career started. It was just kind of crazy, kind of backed into it. It's really, like you said, it's not really fair. But um, Yes, you know, but it is fair. Lord, because, Lord has blessed. Well, uh, well here's the deal. You, if you look back in at your life, and you, know, we, you, you still paid a truckload of dues, because you're still growing up. You still have this desire. You want to bed with your baseball bat. Imagine it's a microphone. All that counts, man. They, even when you're a young kid, um, and and you go through those emotions. Those things are real. So, the bottom line is this: you have been blessed with this voice. That, I mean, it's just almost like you know, um, it's just like Ken Griffey, uh, our boy Reggie Smith. Uh, I recently interviewed Brett Saberhagen. I mean, people that that just are born to do it. You know what I mean? Favre was born to play football. You know what I mean? Just it just you were born to sing hit records, <laughs> and so. And and I love that because if you anybody a fan of Restless Heart or Larry Stewart, you got the bluest eyes in Texas. I mean, I'll still be loving you. I mean, I can go on and on. Just don't even get me started. But the bottom line is, you're talking about that voice and also a band that could do it. We're talking to Larry Stewart. Uh, he's a brother. Um, we are uh, we're closing in on the second half of our, our uh, 60 minutes of a Mississippi minute. Larry, you know, in Mississippi, we uh, we like to kind of take our time and we're the total bipolar opposite of new york, new york minute so that's why this show has wound up to be an hour and somehow i got talked into doing two a week and i'm hoping that they're not gonna ask me for any more because i'm gonna run out of friends as i always say uh, so you know you know it's just getting it's getting and by the way i have asked you for months so don't be saying that you're later in the late on the list you've always been on the top <laughs> you've just yeah, been how busy. long have you been doing this and just now asking yeah thanks <laughs> No, 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 no. You know where you sit. I'm Steve Azar in a Mississippi Minute. But before we go, Larry, you get to you get to play DJ. Two of your friends from Mississippi. We are the birthplace of American music, and uh, we like to celebrate it. So, would you like to lead us into the break with a little Marty Stewart or a little Faith Hill? We play a little Faith Hill. All right. You you had a number one song on her, didn't you? Didn't you write a number one song for her? Or top five? What was? Well, it wasn't number one. But it was it was it was a single. I don't remember what it went up to. But right, what was the name of it? A really sexy video on it. Well, yeah. uh, but I will. But, but I will. That's what we're gonna play. But I will. Faith Hill, our own Mississippi Faith Hill. Larry Stewart, uh, hit singer, songwriter, recording artist, has spoken during the Mississippi Minute. We'll be right back. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Changing my life. I'm Steve Azar. We are back in a Mississippi Minute with the great Larry Stewart, uh, country music legend. Whether he likes to hear it or not, it was meant to be. And a dear friend of mine, dear, 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 dear friend of mine, the ones that were at the hospital when we had babies and all that stuff, and uh, the ones we depended our kids that we counted on their kids to take care of our kids. 
uh, and uh, they're just amazing, amazing the times we've had together. Larry, I am writing for Roger Murray. I met Mark Allen Springer uh, playing basketball. We used to go out, you know, Monday nights to play basketball or Tuesday, whatever day it was at, at Brentwood. And uh, so I'm hearing this. I'm in the other room, and I finally start writing, and I've sunken into this chair that Mark Allen had had this recent success with two sparrows in a hurricane and all these hits, and he's left and gone on his own. And here I go in to write for Roger Murray, and I've, I used to laugh at him because I'd walk in his, in, his, in his writing room, his office, and he'd be so far sunk into this one chair. I said, what are you doing? I mean, he looked horrible, like he was miserable. And so all of a sudden, I'm finding myself in the same chair with the door shut, and the wall behind me is where they're pitching all this music. So I'm sitting here trying to, to write a hit, and I'm doing a stinking horrible job at it. Uh, and, and I'm just sitting there going like, oh, my gosh, I can't focus. And I got Neil Cody, who's one of the greatest writers, Randy Van Warmer, uh, just incredible. They're in the other room writing hits. Um, you know, all these guys, Pat Terry, I'm hearing Roger write hits. I'm hearing, you know, I'm all right already and all that. And, you know, and I'm just hearing all this stuff, right? And um, or it's a little too late to do the right thing now. I think was the song that Roger was writing or something at the time. So all of a sudden, behind me is this and song. Yeah. Oh yeah. When I close my eyes, if they played when I close my eyes, for every artist, at least once or twice. Oh my gosh, there was no way. I got so sick of that song, cause I heard it one million times, and I used to go, Roger, why do you keep playing that song? Nobody's walking out of the room with it. And he goes, because it's a hit. And when it's a hit, somebody's going to walk out the room. So we keep going. And I went, I swear to God, I cannot focus. You know, I was blaming <laughs> blaming my inadequacy of being a songwriter at that point and frustrated, you know, uh, uh, wannabe at that point going like, oh, God, I got to write a hit, but I can't get that song. So all of a sudden, in walks you guys. And I remember uh, Paul Compton coming out going like, we got us a uh, we got us one. Uh, Larry Stewart's going to cut Ress's heart. And I went, I just want to go hug that guy. And so just tell him how much. I don't have to have, ever have to hear that song again. And so you put it <laughs> well, over. I, I have a really bad feeling to that song, too. Well, okay, go, go ahead. <laughs> because uh, I sang that song when I closed my eyes. I recorded that song with Susie Baca. Okay. And we cut a great record on it. As a matter of fact, it was the song I wanted to be released after All Right Already. They didn't listen to us, and they released a couple other songs, and then it was kind of over. But um, then, um, so they pitched that song to Kenny. Oh, no. So you got to stop now, because I got to interrupt, because this is what happened. They don't release a single, and I'm hearing that freaking song again. And, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, it's back. Like, it was like, it was like, that's what I felt like. So you got to realize it was a year of it. And needless oh, to say, no. I didn't write anything that ever mattered at that point. But uh, I ate a lot of cereal. I remember doing that. So I had a cereal diet. But, okay. Well, I wrote songs and ate cereal. Well, there you go. <laughs> Drank a lot. Like, I needed coffee. I knew, Neil was next door. He didn't need coffee. I was a Valium compared to Neil Cody, his excitement. No and way. Neil would be, There's no way. Yes, I was. And Neil would be chewing chocolate-covered coffee beans, and I said, you don't need those. <laughs> so all this craziness is going So here's this song, and all of a sudden, Kenny, thank goodness, Kenny took it, and I was like, please, don't ever, I can't ever hear that song. Uh, when somebody, I close my eyes, yeah, you yeah. don't want to see. Yeah. Just like that. 
thought I'd make you miserable again uh, one more one last time. Well, you sing it great, so that's okay. I can't everything you do I like. So another song that sort of a record label misses. You know, they just miss sometimes and and they and it just a song and they go, Oh, we should and I love it. Did they ever tell you we should have put that out? No, the people that were running the label weren't there long. Yeah. <laughs> they put some new people in there and Yeah. And uh, and I moved on to Columbia and did a record and then did other Hill. Okay, you we did it with Michael O'Marty, and I remember you making this making this thing. So I tell the story. I love telling the story. I think I've told it in interviews uh, that I'm on the the opposite side of the microphone, the one I should be on rather than this side. Uh, and I remember talking about you dealing with that Wyndham Hill deal, trying to have that pop hit, right? Mm-hmm. We were at Waffle House. Remember the Waffle House days? And Waffle and, House and Mexican food. Yes, and Mexican food. But we'd do mornings with Craig Hendrick and Al Del Greco. Al would order a waffle for an appetizer and then a waffle for breakfast. Craig and, and Al was, remember, he was going through a funkiness a little bit because Titans couldn't score touchdowns, so they relied on him to kick 100 field goals a, a year. Yeah, five, five a game. Five a game. Right. And so remember, he went into a little funk, and he was in a little, in a little bit of a slump for the first time in his life. Craig was having marital problems. I'm sorry, <laughs> he was. And <laughs> you were trying to have a hit, and I was trying to I write a ever. hit and, have a, and get a deal. <laughs> and we were like the four most miserable... <laughs> <laughs> and, and for some reason, we enjoyed our time together. I think it took four miserable people to feel great about themselves. It took us all, you know. I've never. That's great, dude. I'm going to share that with those, with those guys because that, you're right. The four negatives make a positive, not two. That's yeah. always been bogus, you know. But then Frank Wachek would join us, and he's like, we're all pro, so, you know. Right, right. He was all, everything was hunky-dory with Frank. You know, so <laughs> he was sort of miserable to be around. But uh, so let me ask you. So we, we would go and catch punts and catch and hold for Al and catch Craig's punts. He'd try that stinking knuckleball, remember? Yeah. And you couldn't catch it. I'm surprised we didn't break our noses on that. Yeah. It was flying at all these crazy – it was moving a lot and, and changing mm-hmm. velocities. Uh, and then, then we noticed – and then we go play golf with them, but we noticed that their practice routine wasn't a lot. I mean, it wasn't like – I was like – they would play football golf, and they'd invite us in to do that. If I was a real football player, I would hate the kickers. Yeah, they don't do anything. But, but Oh, they're out there beating everybody's brains in doing, you know, two-on-one, three-on-twos, and they're, you know, out there doing full pads, and the kickers are in there playing football golf in the, <laughs> in the you know, in the facility, you know. <laughs> I loved it. What a job. And then that's why both of them had the best golf game. That's they both it. won the NFL Cadillac. They Craig both won it twice, and I think Del Greco won it. Or was it? Craig three, Del Greco two. Well, I think Craig Del Greco's two, Del the reason. Greco don't forget, Del Greco's the reason they changed the format because you couldn't beat him in four, three or four days of of a total score. So they made it where you had to qualify for the first two days, and then the last day would be whoever won that day. So anybody can oh. beat anybody on a given Sunday, right? So that was right. it. And Craig would go, man. Th- you know, they added the three scores up. Al wins every time. So while we're talking, there, there's so much that we did together. We did eat a lot of stinking Chinese food together, <laughs> buffets, trying to figure it out. We were, it was such a negative. For some reason, we would laugh at it at all the times we were going through. And trust me, in the music business, is just the oddest business because you just you try to get on top and you try to stay on top. And anything else, just it's not fun. Well, so. I just remember, you know, we, 
you know, there for a while we would go to lunch just hoping and praying that something good would happen today or this week. Right. You know, like something's going to, you know, we're going to turn the corner. Something's going to happen. Something's going to rain. We deserve for something to happen here. Or, you, you know, you were writing your butt off. and I was writing I, 80 songs a year. I was nuts at the time. I mean, I was on the way to losing a vocal cord. And, I mean, I was really tearing myself up, but just wanting it. You know what's fun? Okay, so I got to, this is how, this is how much you matter to me. So, um, you may need to sit down. I mean, yeah, you, you may want to start stroking your head or something like that. Imagine me just, this is going to really suck up, but it's the truth. So we write, I don't have to be meet on Monday. Where, who, where were you in the studio with us singing back up and doing all of those? I don't, you know, I don't have to be me. You know, all that stuff, you know, all the, all the hooks at the end. Larry Stewart, yeah. he was the one that we had the song, and he put those parts on there. I mean, he just really made it at the end. And then, waiting on Joe, I write waiting on Joe, and I go, Larry, I wrote this on piano, and I'm an idiot on piano. Will you come up in the studio? <clears throat> and it was that, it was you that, would, that played it for me, where I recorded it. And then you put a little, you put this cool line, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, like a hook. Well, I kept all that when we made the record. And that is what Universal and Mercury heard. And that's when Keith Stegall took me on the golf course and said, what's this waiting on Joe thing? I said, what? I mean, I didn't even play it for him. Rafe, my producer at the time, Van Hoy, had heard it and he got it to him. And I was sort of embarrassed, cause I, and not because of your playing or my singing necessarily, but it was we were so used to giving them high quality and it was me up there playing engineer, you know? And so, but that's how much you mattered. That's a crucial. Didn't I, didn't I like carry that little uh, keyboard in a box? You used to call it. Yeah, you there. walked around with, with the <laughs> monkey keyboard in a box. I called you. you know, here it comes in. Plug it up. Let's yeah. record. We're talking to Larry Stewart. You are in a Mississippi minute. All sixty of them. I'm Steve Azar. We'll be right back. Hey, folks. If you're tired of being tired because your pillow isn't doing his job at night, give my buddy Chad and his team at OmniPillow a go. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy, and listen to this. They will donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal is to give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. You'll thank me, I promise. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar. That's OmniPillow.com, promo code Steve Azar, and you'll receive 20% off with free shipping. If you ask me, there's no better pillow on the planet. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's no secret, somebody I'm Steve Azar. We are back in a Mississippi Minute with the great Larry Stewart. And uh, Listen, was, the music industry owes the state of Mississippi great, great gratitude. Some of the greatest singer-songwriters, uh, music um, musicians. Um, I mean, the soul, the, the soul that comes out of that state just keeps coming, keeps coming. So many people that I've worked with over the, my career 
from Mississippi. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I mean, I didn't know there was that many people in Mississippi. But, I mean, just the great musicians and songwriters. So, anyway, I just hats off no, I appreciate to that. really, really uh, one of the most influential, maybe all across the board, most influential state in America when it comes to music, all kinds of music. I, I think I have to agree. I mean, it's like, it's all it's all there. It's all it's all the, from gospel to country to rock and roll to blues. I mean, it just influenced, obviously blues had so much of an impact, but all of those, all of those were so important uh, country. I mean, you know, I mean, Jimmy Rogers, for goodness sake, you know, and Charlie Pride, I mean, groundbreaking. But then you have, when it's all said and done, I think of one thing. That no matter where you go in the world, you say Jim Henson. And I grew up about 10 miles from Jim, from Mr. Henson. I mean, I was a young kid. But but how in the heck were the Muppets created in Leland, Mississippi? Because that's such a global thing. Everybody knows Ernie and Bert, wow. you know? I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the museum's about, you know, it's about 10 miles from me right now as we speak. And it should be like welcome. Well, I've never been invited down there anyway. So well, you've been invited every year. And this is going to be, uh, don't even think about it. Okay, so Larry, let's talk about what you're doing now before we before we get too far. I want to talk about the family, but I also want to talk about, I want to hear what Larry Stewart's doing right now. Well, we are launching, Reckless Hearts launching our 35th anniversary Dude, the original five guys, that never happened. It just doesn't. We've no. outlasted 90% of the marriages in America. Yeah, I, I saw mean, Boston I recently uh, at a charity event, and there was uh, none. I don't think any of them were in Boston. <laughs> I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, um, out of the last 30 years, only us and Diamond Rio still have the absolute original lineup wow. when it comes to bands. Man. So we're very proud of that. And, you know, if you remember when we came out, you know, the critics hated us and they didn't give us two years. Yeah, who cares? You know, but, right, right. But uh, we, we've lasted way past all yeah. of that. Critics and, need so. to cash the checks. <laughs> so what happens? So keep, don't, so keep, don't get you started with the critics, right? Well, no, I've always been, you know what's the funny thing is? My, a lot of my records have been critically acclaimed, which means you're done. <laughs> <laughs> So you don't want to be critically acclaimed. Doesn't work. Well, I let me tell you something. Restless Heart has never been critically acclaimed. So maybe <laughs> yeah. that's why I was six you know, number that's one. What you say? I don't want to be critically acclaimed either. But but it happens, and I go, dang it. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, so we're doing that. We'll do about seventy shows this year. Okay. Yeah. Larry, before we before we absolutely go, because I know you've had enough of me. Tell us. Tell me about your solo record that you've been making. I've been uh, in the studio with uh, an amazing talent. His name is Gordon Kennedy. So, long story short, I just finished a brand new album. It's called uh, Shifting Gears, and the album will be dropped sometime in August. Be watching the social media, you know, Larry Stewart on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And I'm very blessed. Thirty-five years later, dude, and I know you are too. So, oh, yeah, um, awesome. I love it. I love it, brother. All right, Larry Stewart, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Talk to you later. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.